This is why we love racing in all its forms. That's King of Swing fighting though. He's a superstar, a champion pacer. Untaps in front, untaps holding on. What a win! Untap with the out of Sensei Cup. And it's very elegant. Ten group ones. And now the greatest of them all, the Melbourne Cup. For the next hour, RSN is cracking the codes. And we are cracking the codes this Saturday morning and back in the studio. Gee, it's nice to be in the company of you two rather than just looking at you on a screen. Good morning to you both, Matt and Dan. Simone jumped in a bit early on the ooh-ohs there. Oh, were you enjoying it? Oh, no. started popping along, you sort of get lost and, uh, yeah. you know, we've got a tight ship to run this morning. We'll, we who knows what sort of paths that we end up with. So we are all sort of like in a post-COVID sort of back in studio feel at the moment. It That's great. It's, it's great. It's been yeah. a couple of years. I know we've been in the studio maybe two or three times since COVID really hit. But well, every time Matt's not here, we come into the studio. Oh, so you're mostly in Matt. the studio then. Yeah. <laughs> How's things been? Um, the big night in harness coming up tonight, Dan. We'll talk yeah. about that in a mo. What's the latest down um, Yu Yang Way? Down Lara Way. Um, husband got back from Bali Tuesday night. Did he look like he'd had too good a time? Can you read that? Uh, he didn't do much. He laid on a beach most of the time and read books, I think. Just need, which to me is as boring as anything. I is need that to why be you doing something. Yeah, that's why I didn't go. But we needed someone to do the dogs, and all these horse and greyhound people will be able to relate. It is so hard to get someone to take over. So I just said, look, I'll stay home and have some downtime at home, and yeah, some cold mornings and dark mornings and barking dogs. It has not served me well, so I'm actually glad I was, to be away from the place this morning. I was watching Curb Your Enthusiasm on a plane the other week, and there was one episode where a bloke's dropping his wife at the airport. She's going away for a couple of weeks, but he seemed way too excited when he was dropping her off that she cancelled the trip and came back home with him. Um, no, what's, none of that. What are we be doing? Self-contained sometimes. No, exactly. You're just going to restrain from showing too much enthusiasm. Um, Simone, what's um, what have we got coming up on the Progue? So good show. <laughs> Gee, you're getting lazy. I know you've been hosting for I can't the last even couple of weeks. Words so you're, now. You're, yeah, cutting them off. Someone, but... someone did an abbreviation. Yeah, but abbreviations are on at the moment. It's happening. Yeah. It's it's hap. Oh, I think it just must be this. All these kids, they're just, what's up? They just go, sup? Yeah. What's up? What is up? Anyway. Someone someone texted me the other day um, so, that someone was suffering from FOMO, and I had you no had idea to Google what it. FOMO I was. I do know what that is. Yeah. Fear of missing out, if anyone needs yes. to know. But no fear of missing out this morning, guys. We've got two great interviews. We've got Warren Cochran, who him and his partner, Bronwyn, have been, or wife, have been on the show before. They run Kobe Lodge, and they've had the recent edition of McLovin, the great trotting horse there. So we're going to talk to Warren about the transition and how he goes about it now with McLovin in his post-racing life. And also another lovely story um, from Racing to Rehome, which is the organi- charity organisation, volunteer group, that do rehome greyhounds. And um, Catherine Ongarello is going to, she's one of the volunteers, going to join us this morning and tell us about this story that hasn't always been great for a little greyhound called Minerva, but um, things are really looking up from her and that ties in with the Sandown Vet Clinic as well. So looking forward to chatting to Catherine, who has a background in racing, but um, she just wanted to talk greyhounds this morning. And Sandown Vet Clinic, I know that we'll be talking about Mel Tochner, the legend, this morning as well. She's going to be beatified. She's the saint, isn't she? Yeah, she is. She's the greatest ever. Hey, and um, her and her partner in crime, my, one of my very good friends, Anita Smith as well. They're just um, two great people. Can't get better people Do you think they them. talk like this about us? Probably. We, we really do wrap up Mel Tochner. It's like the Robbie Williams situation, <laughs> yeah. isn't it? He's back I think we need to London. tone it down on Mel Tochner. I think you might have a bit of a crush on Mel Tochner the way you... I'm a, I'm a Tochnerman. Yeah. Hey, Dan... <laughs> Big, big harness. A talkie. I'm a talkie. A big, uh, big harness situation. The uh, Albion Park tonight, the Blacks are fake. I actually asked Mick Geary in, uh, earlier in the week, is Blacks are fake automatically one of the top five harness horses of all time? He said, yep, dead set. Absolutely. It has to be. On yep. record. How many races do you reckon Blacks are fake won in his career? 47. He won 72. Whoa. 72? He had 105 oh. starts and won 72 races. 
He raced in the Inter-Dominion Grand Final six times. Now, he ended up with four wins in two seconds. One of those promoted after smoking up. Should have won one on the Gold Coast, shouldn't Yeah, well, that was the time um, Auckland Reactor fired yeah, up and Mr. Yeah. Feelgood got the sprint lane through. Mr. Feelgood was a great horse, so it could have even been better. And the feature event uh, tonight at Albion Park is the Group 1. Uh, Blacks are fake. Better eclipses involved. There's a good, very healthy uh, Victorian representation tonight, like a wildfire's up there. Triple uh, Eight's also drawn one. Father uh, owned by Father Brian Glashine. But uh, let's just remember a magic moment in the, well, not just Blacks of Fake's career, but in harness racing. The sparks are about to fly as they run down the side of the track. It's Washaki a half length in front. Smoking up is sitting second. Third is our awesome Ambro. Blacks are fake is grinding away on the outside. Monkey King will peel off its back shortly. Bondi no run. And then came Atomic Art changeover. And Bailey's Dream goes to the outside. 28 3 for that third quarter. Washaki leads from smoking up. Here comes Blacks are fake down the outside. And then came Monkey King and Bailey's Dream warming up. Blacks are fake hit the lead at the 150, but here comes Monkey King out after it. Smoking up is battling away, but it's Black Safake. It's holding Monkey King at the moment. It's Black Safake. Into the minion immortality for Black Safake. Four grand finals, you beauty. Goes home to score over Monkey King. Smoking up, giant run is boxed on for third. They were followed further back then on the inside by Bondi and Storm. So that was the historical Tango. moment of, uh, of Black Safake's fourth Inter Dominion grand final win. It is, it's pretty extraordinary, isn't it? I mean, Really, a, a bit a, a bit like a wing spinning four cox plates. I mean, to, to longevity's main, massive, isn't it? It is, yeah. And in this case, we're, a we got a mare to be able to do it in Winx's case, but here a gelding certainly helps. Um, and uh, he is honoured by having one of the uh, the biggest races, formerly Queensland Pacing Championship. So effectively, it's taken that race uh, in Queensland. Is there another big harness race on tonight? Uh, there, there is. You're I was a big just to, Yeah, I was just going to say it's almost bold trees like too, isn't it? Four Inter Dominions, yeah. four Sandown Cups. Yeah, to mm. keep coming back, and uh, he just knew how to win. He would never streak away. It was a bit like Better Listen Up most of his career. Mm. He would just get the job done. Yep. Unlike the horse that uh, is honoured tonight, it's a, it's a terrific night at Kilmore. There's Bob Knight Memorial. There's some very famous people memorials, and they're remembered with a terrific program at Kilmore. As far as the horse is concerned, when you think of Kilmore, you think of Popular Arm, or, yep. or even if you think of the 1980s. Um, some horses are great, and they have this aura about them. He had it his whole career. Now, I've plucked out of race for Poppy, Popular Arm, they had a Trans-Tasman Challenge, and it was a series of races. I don't know if you remember, yeah, back remember. in the uh, yep. early 80s, 1980s, yep. and they'd have the three best New Zealand horses versus the three best Victorian horses. So here's a replay. You know, you probably think that the result, uh, well, you know what the result was going to be, but it wasn't that easy. But there's some famous names in this. The Trans-Tasman Challenge at Mooney Valley in 1983. Coming down towards the judge with a circuit to go and the bell lap coming up. Popular arm coming out now in search of a half million dollars. He's flushed out LaBellet and the race starting to change. Delightful lady quickly off the back of Gamalite. At the judge's circuit to go and it's Gamalite by a length. Now Delightful lady goes to its wheel. LaBellet is now put out three deep. Popular arm held up behind it. Chupika Star came around the outside and Popular arm is held up for a run. Hands down getting up on the fence. 600 metres to go. Popular arm has dropped to the tail. He's got nowhere to go where it's Gamalite. A metre in front down the back now from Delightful Lady. A length further back, LaBellet. Then Tupika Star has got Popular Arm in a pocket. On the fences, hands down. 5.50 out. And Delightful Lady is laying it down now to Gamalite at the 500 metre mark. They're locked together. Popular Arm is starting to weave his way through. Then LaBellet on the outside who can't go on. Now he's seeing Daylight the champion horse. It's Gamalite grabbed by Delightful Lady. But here comes the super Popular Arm. 400 metres to go. Gamalite grabbed by Delightful Lady. Popular Arm about to come at them as they turn for home from hands down. Delightful Lady put her head in front, heading for home. Now Popular Arm to the outside, but Delightful Lady's a neck in front. But Poppy is starting to storm down the outside. Gamalite coming again. Gamalite and Popular Arm. Gamalite on the inside. Popular Arm wearing it down. Popular Arm, Gamalite, they hit it. Popular Arm. The super Popular Arm has won at a half head to Gamalite. Eight metres away, third Delightful Lady. They're followed by hands down. Loving their racing, pacing and chasing. Matt Stewart, Dan Maliki and Simone Fisher. Cracking the codes. Our next guest is uh, Warren uh, Cochrane, who's a uh, uh, after uh, racing life uh, trainer and he, he's got a, a host 
uh, on his CV uh, uh, a host of branches uh, coming out of his big tree of uh, knowledge um, to uh, to place. Don't you love Dan's setup. Oh, oh, was so <laughs> visual, so visual. I never thought a tree of knowledge would get a run, but you, you're a genius at that. But uh, well, we're going to find out a little bit more about that uh, that knowledge from uh, from Warren, who's a great. Uh, a great horseman, and uh, we've had as a guest on the show before. But today we're specifically going to talk about uh, a celebrity racehorse, a horse called McLovin, who was recently retired. And we're going to catch up with Warren about where the horse is at and what perhaps are the plans for his life after racing. And Warren joins us this morning on Cracking the Codes. Good morning. Welcome back. Good morning, Dan. Uh, how are you? Yeah, going really well. How are you going? Last time we had a chat with you um, uh, about some of the facets of life after racing and the options that the, the horses uh, are getting. So how's the business? Uh, very good, yeah. So um, we've sort of taken a bit more of a back seat off the, the life after racing now, sort of branched out in the different uh, uh, branch, really. I'm sort of breaking in a lot of thoroughbreds and, and stuff now. But uh, we still dabble with a bit of life after racing with the standard breeds, which we which we think is just fantastic. So yeah. Well, I mentioned uh, branching out. You just said it yourself. You branched out. Tell us about some of the thoroughbreds that you're breaking in. Are they for particular studs or particular trainers? Uh, some of them no, left you just stumped. Just some trainers and owners. <laughs> um, yeah, so it's a, a varying uh, mix of, of horses. I like. I've got a nice Poussin Saloon here at the moment, and I've had. Had some pretty nicely bred horses, so uh, I'm breaking in uh, five at the moment and sort of pre-training a couple. So that sort of keeps me pretty busy during the day. Warren, does your confidence as you get older doing this type of job does it wane a little? I know from my own riding, you know, back when I was in my teens and twenty, I was a little bit more fearless than I am these days. And when you've got horses that are young and can be unpredictable and um, got very different personalities. Do you find that it's just your skills and your experience that gets you through, or do you do you have to mentally take that extra step as well? I think you do a little bit as you get a bit older. So, like I've uh, lately, of uh, well, about a month ago, I sort of come off a horse and hurt my ribs a bit, and you, just, you don't bounce like you used to. So, um, but no, you sort of got to put that out of your mind, really, because if you go in there with a the fear of what might happen, it probably will. So, um, I've really just got to, and, but I also like to prepare the horses properly, too, for uh, for when I'm backing them and so on. So, if they're not ready for it, I don't get on them. So, uh, yeah. What's the mission with McLovin, who does sound like something on a menu, but... Uh... So going from square gator to riding hack, and I've, we've we've had these sort of discussions before with you and other guests, but the the process of turning McLovin into a riding hack, how, how does how do you go about it? Uh, we just give him time to settle into his new environment because he he would have been at uh, Indian Cates for quite a while now, so just let him settle in, and um, then I'll, I'll bring him into the into my pen and uh, just sort of. Gradually teach him to lunge and uh, introduce the saddle to him. I actually I brought him in yesterday and put the saddle on him to just see how he's um, how he copes with that. He, it was a bit of a different feel for him, um, being a bit uh, a bit longer along his back, uh, but uh, he coped with that fine. So just really just slow transition into what I'm asking of him, because uh, uh, we've found. If you try to rush them too much, they they sort of can't really cope with it properly. So then you've got to go back a few steps. So it's best to just take it nice and slow. Because imagine a few of them, are, if you don't do it slowly enough, they say, what the hell are you doing? You know, It needs to be slowly seeped in. Feed? I know a lot of racehorses are on, I think it's called hard feed, like uh, oats and all that. And Do you have to get the high-octane sort of feed out of their system as well? Generally, when they come to, come to us, they've, sort of been out of work for a little while so you know they've generally been on just a pretty low energy feed like hay and chaff and maybe some pellets or, or something like that um but uh like this big fella he, he arrived in great nick um and uh but he's uh being by monarchy he uh he's a little bit uh more alert than most horses would be um but uh like you get, sometimes you get some horses come here and it's like they've been here the whole life and I can get on them in the first day 
as I, I just got to assess what each horse is like as they come through the gate, and um, they will let me know when they're ready for the next step. Now, Warren, I know on your social media this week for Kobe Lodge, you've had a photo of McLovin arriving and Andy Gath holding him. Now, I know Andy's not the tallest person around, but I don't know if this horse makes him look a little bit shorter than normal or whether McLovin, is he just a huge horse? He looks like he a is. very tall standy. He is. He is very tall. Um, I and Andy's a short on. ass as well. Well, I wasn't well, going to be so blunt. Probably doesn't, uh, <laughs> yeah, probably does, uh, doesn't do any, Andy any favours, really, but... Uh, um, he's probably, he's probably about, uh, he's close to 16, two, 16, three. So he is quite a large horse. Yeah. If you fell on you, you'd know it because he's, he's pretty well made up. He's one of those typical, uh, Kiwi, uh, uh, heavy set, uh, framed, uh, sort of horses as well as having a bit of height once he puts his head up. No, he is like, he's got a lovely big shoulder on him and, uh, hind end and he, I wouldn't say he's terribly long for a big horse but uh, no he's, he's well put together so um, like I say he arrived in great condition from Kate and Andy they always look after their horse as well and come happy and, and and yeah. Does the transition always work with a trotter or pacer into a riding hack which you want to go at a say a nice canter and all that sort of stuff do you ever have to when you've had them if they don't transition sell them on as a riding hack but with a little asterisk it says only to trot or something? Do some just um, not change? Yeah, like sometimes uh, some horses, yeah, yeah, a bit hard, a bit hard to get a canter out of them. I find actually the trotters tend to be a little easier um, to get into the canter sometimes. Um, but I use, I usually use a, like a uphill uh, stretch. Um, it's just a lot easier for them to uh, break into the canter. When you're uh, when you're asking for it, for it, but um, the uh, the biggest key to trying to get the canter out of a pacer or trotter is just not pushing them until they're ready for it. Because if you put too much pressure on them, they generally sort of switch back to the uh, race mode, and um, and they'll tend to try to either trot flat out or, or pace flat out. But um, really, I just sort of let it happen. Naturally, and um, even if I only get two or three strides of a canter, uh, I'll give them a big reward for it, and um, and they they are happy as Larry from there on. So. Well, he's only just recently retired in the last few weeks. He had 98 starts. He won 28 races, $453,000, and he was a fantastic trotter, one at the highest level, Group 1. And this was one of McLovin's biggest wins, the Group 1 Bill Collins Mile of 2019. It's Red Hot Tooth. Tough Monarch's about a neck away, getting that little bit closer. Big Jack Hammer travels well, about to get the run, then McLovin. Red Hot Tooth in front of Tough Monarch. Big Jack Hammer's getting through. McLovin, Lily Stride wider. Red Hot Tooth in front. McLovin still coming. Getting through is a Big Jack Hammer. McLovin hit the lead. Big Jack Hammer the inside. They hit it. McLovin! McLovin has won it by a nostril. It's a Big Jack Hammer. Third out wide, Lily Stride, then came... Well, we know he's a big horse, but he must have a big nostril because that was awfully uh, close and uh, he got the prize. And he, he was first up and he sat wide the whole trip to win that race. It was an extraordinary performance. Warren, do you know what is planned for him when he leaves your place? Is there someone who's already you know, going to take him on as a riding horse or an equestrian horse? Do you know what's planned for him next? And how long do you expect this transition for him to take to make him suitable to get out in the big wide world of equestrian? Uh, no, we, well, we don't have anybody in line at this point in time. Uh, so generally what we like to do is just put the work into them and, and see how they cope with everything because I'll do a lot of uh, farm riding and road riding and, and uh, just introduce some different skills to them as well. So, but, uh, and like, you never know how long it's going. We've had some horses that have taken 12 months to just take that deep breath and um, really just, be comfortable with what we ask of them, and they've ended up with fantastic homes. So we don't uh, we don't push them. Uh, we just let them do it in their own time, and uh, because then we find that we have a much happier horse, and then we tend to get uh, the the right person will come along at the right time. How many transitioners, say on average, do you reckon you would put through every year? 
Uh, well, when I was still part of the Hero Program, we were doing, uh, personally through Turbo Lodge, we were doing probably 40 to 50 horses a year. Um, but like I say, now we're sort of um, only doing one or two at a time. So, uh, and I'm sort of, they sort of take a bit of a back seat really because I'm uh, pretty busy with, uh, with the other stuff I'm doing. But um, they, uh, I would say probably, I'll probably get a 10 or a dozen done a year. So it's just, um, yeah, it's just, it's just our we want to help out uh, rehoming these guys because they're a fantastic breed. So. Have you got a, a big success story? Like, is there one that went on to Olympic glory or anything like that? Uh, what's the best? <laughs> what's the best transitioner you've ever transitioned? Uh, like generally, most of them were just uh, transitioned into um, ladies coming back into riding, um, and um, then uh, you know just bush riding and and hacking and trail riding with your friends and I there's been one or two go on and uh, do some endurance and so on like uh, I think I told you the last time we spoke um, I done a season of endurance with Swarth Stewie Lombo and um, he was just fantastic at it he loved it and uh, I think I had something like seven rides at endurances for five wins in two seconds. Um, nothing, there's no um, quilty uh, aspirations there for him. But, um, he, just, he just loved that. And uh, but um, What was his name? Swarth Stewie Lombo. Swarth Stewie Lombo. Was he a marathon runner, Dan, on, on the track as well? Was he a big stayer? He was a good horse. He got to Grand Circuit level. He was he, he raced in top company right throughout his career. He was a very good horse, uh, Warren. He, he was. He I think he had a bit over hundred starts. Uh, he won thirty three, um, three Group Ones, and I think he went one forty nine. So he was he was a very very smart horse. And no doubt, Warren, you'd remember. Oh, it might be about ten years ago, even maybe a bit longer. There was a standard bred that. I can't remember the girl's name, but she got him ready and competed in the Gary Owen at the Melbourne yep. Show. Like that was a phenomenal story, um, going up against the odds, really, because the thoroughbreds naturally have that beautiful movement, and some standees do have amazing movement, but they're not bred for movement, um, and thoroughbreds just seem to have that in the bag already. So she did an amazing job competing yep. against those thoroughbreds, didn't she? She did. That was actually Kat Mullins. So she uh, actually does some stuff with um, Hunter Racing Victoria and that too, I think. Yeah. Um, but, um, like, because I've got the uh, the Hero Series as well, for, which is um, for uh, dressage-type stuff. So uh, they a lot of people like to do the showing and, and the dressage style of stuff with the standees and... Uh, Sometimes the paces are a bit hard to try to get the trot and the canter out of, but um, generally, uh, like the, they're so well managed and so on that that's why these uh, these people like to get them because they, they they know they're usually generally pretty safe with them. Kathleen uh, Mullen, the Mullen family is very famous. You know, Danny Mullen, he was the real estate uh, master of uh, Melton for many, many years. Uh, Samantha, Samantha Mullen was a was a trainer driver as well. Victories fill yellow oh, yeah. with the green yep. um, shamrock. You're just saying yes, you're just agreeing with me. You can't remember. No, I'm trying that. to think of Sandy Mullen real estate. Uh, Danny Mullen. Danny Mullen real estate, Melton. In, uh, uh, I remember um, RB real estate back at Smash. <laughs> yes, well... Go on, elaborate. No, I'm just saying there's one I do remember. Oh, there's one you do remember. Okay, then. But anyway, uh, you're right about Kathleen and her involvement at Tabcourt Park and Hunters Race in Victoria and the Mullen family, uh, Warren. But look, it's it's great to keep track of these horses. Um, and, and look, Harness Racing have been doing it for, for quite a while. It mightn't have been official for some rehoming and uh, retraining for horses, but it has been going on well before it became official. And it's always great to know that there's a life after racing and they don't have to be a Group 1 horse, do they, Warren, to... Uh, to make a, whether it be a good or good uh, uh, pet, uh, or to be looked after just as well as they did when they were racing. No, absolutely. Uh, like we've had horses come here that uh, have been go- gone on to be fantastic uh, riding horses that uh, never even got named. Uh, so, um, but uh, we, you know, we feel pretty privileged uh, uh, 
Andy and Kate um, entrusting her with, with McLovin, um, being the uh, high-profile horse he is. So, uh, yeah, we feel pretty privileged, really. So we'll be able to hopefully follow his progress, will we, with your social media on Twitter, Warren, Kobe Lodge? Will you, yes, yeah, will you I post think, some uh, updates? Yeah, yeah, Bronwyn, uh, that's your side of things. <laughs> but, uh, no, she'll definitely be putting stuff on there and also our Facebook page, Kobe Lodge, as well. So. I look forward to, I'm sure Dan as well, you've called him many times, called him in that replay that we had, so I'm sure there'll be many listeners who will be very interested to follow his post-racing career, and it's been great having you on Cracking the Codes this morning, Warren. I know you're a busy man with all those horses out there that you need to get worked and um, do your do your thing with, so thanks and for break in. There might, breaking if a, in. A, a yeah. black caviar-type horse comes along, <laughs> please give us a ring and we can have a chat about that. <laughs> Sure, no worries. I'll, uh, if I can find one, I'll, I'll definitely let you know. You can always fit one more into the empire. Hey, good on you, Warren. Thanks for that. Good on you, mate. Simone, you're a bit of a transitioner. Oh, it depends on which know. way we're talking. Well, you but... first crush, and, and so you, in some oh, yeah, way, have yeah. to take one horse from A to B. How, how do you go about letting them down and bringing them back up again? Well, I haven't had the horse straight off the track. I've brought it off. Two of mine I've brought off Paige Cartwright, who is an RV swab steward, and um, she's had them and done a little bit of pre-training with them. So I haven't had them right from the get-go. But it's just, I think you've just got to give them time. You've got to always keep your wits about you with thoroughbreds, or any horse really. I think it's when you become complacent that that's when you might have an accident. And particularly with First Crush, he's a little bit more, uh, he's a little bit more reactive to things than what, consoling Amy my previous horse was so with first crush I I need to get him out but I'm just a little bit wary of how he's going to react whereas consoling Amy didn't so it's just working them out and winning their not winning their trust but just gaining their trust on the ground and that they respect you and I think when that when they respect you on the ground and you have this relationship then you can take them places and it translates so it's just time it's just can you ride them around the Yu Yangs? I've always wondered that. I have. Everywhere you, I have. Everywhere you look, you see the Yu Yangs, don't you? Yeah. So, well, when so you're you around live Lara, right near yeah, the Yu Yangs. I do. I've, I have ridden there a number That'd of seem times. Familiar. Yeah. Because of the I building. reckon if we tried hard enough, we'd find find a way to see them. But so, how close can you get to the iconic Yu Yangs on a first crusher or a console? Oh, you, you ride in there yeah, easily. Right. Yeah. So I have done it a number of times, and with friends or even with Darcy on a little pony, but. That was with consoling Amy, but it was always that worry of kangaroos and it's that fear of being older as well. When I was younger, I used to ride on the roads. I would never worry about anything, but it's now that self-preservation. And if I was to come off in the Yuyangs and the horse takes off, which is what would happen, um, well, where's it going to, to go? Well, Darcy because Darren spends most of his time in Bali. Yeah, that's right. So. What's First so, Crush's uh, stable name? You know? I've called him Gatsby oh, after the after great. Someone... But I've found out... He was called Bruno at the Munsters, and then he was called Max at Amy McDonald's, but I've called him Gatsby. Because but, if it's after everyone's first crush, imagine mine and it was the mayor, it'd be Victoria. You know, oh, like who was she? Victoria Principal. You know, oh, yeah, it doesn't yeah, have Victoria to be. Principal. Mine would be, uh, not my first, but still, actually, it's one of these discussions we have at the back. Mine would be Ashley. Oh. Ashley. Real life or? Ashley Judd. Oh. Who's Ashley Judd? Is she an actress? Yes. Mm. Oh, Okay. Well, I do you know. Dog, who would yours be? He's got to think Our producer, about it. Scott First Cooney. First crush, Scott Cooney. Margot Robbie? Mary, little Mary from down Margot the Robbie. Same way. Late Bloomer. Late Bloomer, your first crush three months ago. The movie, the, um, McLovin is a character in a movie, Superbad, which is a very funny movie, and I would love to use some quotes, but uh, such are the expletives uh, in, in that movie, I probably can't uh, lead myself to do that, but is played by Christopher Mintz-Plass. But it's a very uh, famous um, character within that movie, McLovin. He changes his name to one. Anyway, uh, there's actually a car that goes around the Melton area. I've seen it a few times with the number plate, McLovin. Uh, Andy Gath and I have had a bit of a a chuckle. Initially, I thought it was his. If it pulled up next to Anthony Butts, personalised number plate. Ah. (laughs) So what do you... It wasn't um, to do with someone loving McDonald's, was it? That's what I thought I it must thought be, it was. I, reckon, I think I've got memories of McDonald's ads where the term McLovin is actually used. Yeah, that's, that's, what Possibly. I, that's what I yeah, thought. Yeah, after they saw the horse race, and then they just, McDonald's decided to uh, introduce it into the parlance. Well, that's do you how know, big McLovin is. Talking about movies quickly, I've seen Top Gun twice. I went by myself, and then I took 
my two kids and Darcy said the other night, she goes, why do they have these young pilots? Why do they look so hot? And I think, oh dear, you've got a nightmare on your hands there. I, go, I have. But, you've um, got a ticking time bomb there. But I must say, I've never been a huge fan of Tom Cruise. I've always appreciated his good looks, but I've never been, you know, followed all his movie. But gee, for a 60-year-old, he's, he's looking pretty good. Well, I'm too sure he's had a bit of help. Like if yeah. Dan and I had the same level of help that Tom but Cruise he, has had, we'd be looking pretty well, Helen Mirren's about 90 and she still looks like one of the best-looking women in Helen the world, Mirren, don't you? Helen um, who is Judy Dench? She's another uh, for one, one but, 90, um, 60, 62, if you've got a hot... Hot woman that you love. <laughs> hey, um, we better move on, otherwise it's going to be HR time again. And it might actually get to MA uh, zone as well. It's very early in the morning. This is RSN cracking the codes. One of the things that we love to talk about here, or I love to talk about on Cracking the Codes, is the rehoming of the Standies, the Thoroughbreds and the Greyhounds. And often it's many, many volunteers that are behind the scenes and many people who just have the passion for the animal at their hearts. And that's why they love taking on these greyhounds or horses that might need a little bit of extra care, a little bit of extra help, or just to uh, give them that afterlife, after racing life. And one person we have on the phone this morning is Catherine Ongarello, and she's a volunteer with Racing to Rehome. And guys, you'll know Racing to Rehome, the organisation that have been sending greyhounds to America oh, yeah. um, into pet homes there. So a wonderful, wonderful organisation. But um, Catherine's got this lovely story of a greyhound that came into their care not long ago, or maybe about six months ago, and had a few problems, but um, it's beginning to all start to really blossom. So good morning, Catherine. Good morning, Simone. Thanks for joining us on Cracking the Code. So a lovely story came out of Sandown Vet this week. Um, I know it hasn't always been lovely, but you must be feeling super proud of how it's all starting to move forward now for a little greyhound called Minerva. Would you like to just give us a bit of an update and a rundown on how she came into the care of racing to rehome? Yes, look, we certainly are very proud and somewhat relieved because when she arrived with us, she was lame, had kidney disease, nine years old, and had come into our care via welfare. So we don't have a lot of her background, but she certainly was a very frightened young lady when she arrived, and she showed her fear through what we call fear aggression. Fear aggression to us, towards us, and fear aggression towards the greyhounds that live here. So when she first arrived, the main thing that we could do to support her and to get her on the right path for her journey towards pet life was to give her time, give her space and give her positive reinforcement. When you say fear aggression, I think I've encountered this before with Roxy. Our kid's got a, um, a not a blue healer, what's the other one? A uh, Kelpie. Kelpie. And she's a lovely dog, but she's very hard to win over and she actually bit a hole through my niece's lip one day when she got through Ooh. close. But she, I think it was because she had a nervous upbringing and that can, that can parlay into aggression, can't it? So it, you've got to interpret that aggression and the reason why, I suppose, Catherine. Yes, you do. And one of the things that we noticed with Minerva, and I described this to the vets when we first talked about her anxiety, was that she, would, she reminded me of a bitch in a cave, protecting her pups from an attacker. That's how she saw us. She saw us as someone that was coming into her den. And so she would actually suck back, growl, snarl, and air snap. But she never actually connected, and she never actually bit us. So what we did was we created her own safe space by the use of a playpen. We set up her bed in there. We had blankets around it. So it was her real little cave. And whenever things got too much for her, she would just take herself off quietly and spend some time in her playpen. That's a lovely image. It is. And there is a photo on the Sandown Facebook page, anyone that follows Sandown Vet, I should say Sandown Vet Facebook page of her in a little, it's like a little teepee almost. But yep. Catherine, this, for someone that knows greyhounds very, very well, and for any, any of our listeners that know that greyhounds are, you know, the perfect pet, it must come as a shock and a surprise to hear of one being spoken about to have this type of trait in their personality um, because it's just so unusual. It certainly is. And, I mean, we're full-time foster carers. We've been doing this for some time now, many years now. And I just brought her home like all the other foster carers, foster dogs I do, and 
gave us space and gave her a comfortable bed. And I was quite surprised when I walked past her and not close to her, I was about five metres away, there was a low, soft growl. And I looked at her and I thought, you poor little thing, you are just so frightened. We're not going to hurt you. We're going to help you. Do they all come around in the end? Like, is Minerva is a good example, Minerva, of one that did, but some just, and this is sound a bit crass, some are just basket cases that you just cannot, whatever it is that turned them the way they are, uh, are some just too far gone? We, I have heard of some. I've not experienced that, but then I'm pretty pig-headed. I'm pretty determined, um, and we'll do whatever it takes. And thankfully, we volunteer for an organisation like Racing to Rehome that doesn't put a time limit on the dogs, doesn't put a, a, a dollar limit on the dogs. If we think working with trainers, and we do work with professional um, retraining type dog trainers um, and our vets, if there's light at the end of the tunnel, we'll keep going for that light. We won't give up. I know of one dog that's currently been with us for over 12 months. And you've got an ally in Mel Tochner at Sandown Vet, haven't oh, you? Isn't, a legend like, We Mel love Tochner. Mel. Mel's been a guest on our show a number of times and um, we just can't speak highly enough of Mel, but she's been yeah. helping with Minerva's transition into less fear and aggression. But Correct. there's a really poignant type of moment for you, wasn't there, with Minerva at yeah, the Sandown yeah. track? Would you like to just explain oh, that? Oh, to the track, yes. Yeah. So when I looked up um, her race records, I saw that she had raced a couple of times to the, at, at Sandown. And I thought, oh, she was waiting to go inside, and I knew she wasn't keen on going in there because for her that meant getting uh, either x-rayed or examined or um, injected for her pain management. So I waltzed her down towards the Henry Harrison stand, and I think it might be a photograph on the Sandown page of that. I've never seen her smile and prick her ears and dance around like she did once she got down there. She actually dragged me down towards the starting boxes, and if she could have got in there, she would have been off down the track. Now, she may not have been the fastest dog, but she certainly has that racing instinct in her. And obviously had a very positive memory as well, which is the most uh, important thing that you would uh, take out of that, Catherine. And you mentioned dogs smile. I talk about this all the time. Mine, mine do as well. And it's golden uh, retrievers it's always look like they're smiling. They're the smiliest dog I've ever seen. The golden retriever. <laughs> I see him down the dog beach all the time. So what's, what are you so happy about? <laughs> I've just run into Matt Stewart. That's yeah, why. I'm maybe happy. that's what it is. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's got a laugh on its face because it's a dog beach and it knows what it's done under the water and it's laughing at you walking in the well, water where it's done it's whatever. Or it's seen me in the budgie smugglers and can't stop giggling. So. Yeah, that's probably a bit more um, true to true to form. But Catherine, there's another element to this interview this morning, and some of our listeners may have seen on um, the TV the ads for a new reality program that's going to be airing in Australia next year and they're looking for contestants and Racing to Rehome are on the books for being contestants on this show too, aren't they? Do you want to just explain about that? Yes, how it works. The show's called Adventure All-Stars and it's not such a competition. It's more of a challenge. And what they do is they approve certain charities and Racing to Rehome has been approved as a charity. Then... The All-Stars, what they'd have to do is raise money for that charity over a 10-month period. And it's $1,000 a month for 10 months. You can be in advance, but you can't be in arrears. And if at the end of the 10 months you've met that challenge, your reward as an All-Star is that you get to go on this amazing adventure holiday, which is filmed for the television show. Now, I've also got some breaking news for you. Our yeah. darling Mel... Ah, she's going to do it. On board, and she's going to be one of our all-stars raising money for Racing to Rehome. We've nominated um, a special project within our organisation that this money will go to, and that will be the um, USA flight program. Yeah, wonderful. Because they're crying um, out for pets, aren't they? They are. They are. And look, we, from what I hear from the um, team at R2R, and what I'm hearing from other rehoming groups is that since COVID restrictions are finished and people are heading back to work and back to their offices, 
the applications to adopt have dropped. What we've also seen is the waiting list building up to an all-time high. So it's supply and demand. We've got the supply, we don't have the demand. America have got the demand, they haven't got a supply. So Rebecca Miller, our president, put together this program to, to get more Australian dogs into homes. Well, it'd be great because the more Australian greyhounds are in America means the less American pit bulls there are in America, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> hey, Catherine, like other dog breeds, if you had a particularly menacing, say one of those horrible, the like the ones that attacked Emily Powers, uh, Greyhound mm. Ember, um, are some, some breeds less fixable than others? If you've got a particularly psycho American pit bull, do you think you could eventually turn it around or are some just DNA'd to not respond? Um. Look, you're probably asking the wrong person. I came from a horse background in rehoming thoroughbreds off the track. Um, I'm now gone straight into greyhounds. The only other breeds of dogs that we've owned on the farm have been German shorthead pointers and working dogs. So I'm not experienced with those dogs. But when I worked as a vet nurse um, at Cranbourne many, many years ago, I got to see a few and I found them terrifying and I certainly, they would be well out of my area of expertise to fix. Yeah. They shouldn't exist, really. Or... Oh, Matt, do you like like putting it out there? Well, well American people... pit bulls, tell me someone who wants to stick their hand up and say they've got a right to exist, in say, in this country. I, I don't think there is. Well, why do people Hence breed them and Hence buy them? I know they're banned from being bred here, but they've obviously been bred. They get around somehow. People want them for a reason, or well, a small percentage well, of them. Does that, is that a reflection well, on the owner? I think it's a reflection on the owner. Catherine, we've gone down a, a, we've different wandered path. down a different path again. We're on the dark side. <laughs> We're going on the dark side. <laughs> uh, yeah, good on you. Uh, well, well done, and hopefully... Um, Minerva will uh, continue to respond. Well, and I... Yeah, and I, before we, you know, before we get off this topic, I'd just like to say that I'm only one of dozens and dozens of volunteers for Racing to Rehome. Um, there's so many foster carers who every week open their hearts and their homes. They're all very passionate and very committed to getting greyhounds into homes. But we need more. We need more foster carers. We need more... Um, assistance financially because we don't want to see any greyhound in Victoria find themselves in a situation where they can't be rehomed. Yeah, and when you've got a greyhound like Minerva that was right at the right on the edge um, and yeah. it looked like she had a one-way ticket really until she came into the care of you guys. But look, I know, Catherine, you haven't been able to say a lot and um, given that it is a welfare case, but I think... If we read between the lines a little bit, how happy she was at the Sandown track, I think <laughs> yeah. we need to just a shout out to the owners and trainers who do put the care into these greyhounds. And um, the other last week, guys, when we had Emily Power on, remember Emily spoke so well about the care that her greyhound had in her pre, in her racing life, and it helped her get through that trauma of a broken draw, jaw when she she was attacked by that dog. So. Emily was a terrific advocate, Catherine, for the racing participants and just that the the upbringing that the greyhounds have had. And hopefully, you know, you've seen glimpses of that with Minerva, that um, that may just get her across the line eventually with all yes. the hard work that you're doing. Yes. Look, early on when we started fostering, we realised that our foster greyhounds were very similar in many ways to the off-the-track thoroughbreds we, we looked after. Like in all areas, there are good and bad people. And, you know, our racehorses and our greyhounds, when they come to our, us out of great stables and kennels, they have a routine and they have a job and they're good at it and they enjoy it and they love it. When we rehome them, what we need to do as foster carers is to establish a new routine with them and re reconfigure and give them a new job description and then help them on that transition. Yeah, and it, it works, and it's been working for you with Minerva. So it's absolutely hats off to you and the team at Racing to Rehome. I know you had that eight-hour trip to Team Gabby <laughs> during the week, um, all in your own time, and it's wonderful that there's people around like you that are able to dedicate that time to such a great cause. And, look, if anyone is looking to help out Racing to Rehome with this adventure series, 
And Mel Tochner, she does boxing. Like she's fit and oh, she's perfect. she's amazing. There's nothing Mel Tochner can't yeah, do. Yeah, she is amazing. So, um, and there's also a golf day now. I know we've dabbled no, in golf. No, I can't. I'm, I, I, I've, I've lost my mojo with golf. It's, I can't do it. You guys but are so bad at it. You may as well we do it because well it doesn't it. make any difference. Oh, we did play once, didn't we? We did play once, but there is a oh, golf day in September. The, the only thing worse was Rob Orber. Don't say that. He was, oh, he was, he was the one that... No, well, he, he organised it, but he, he was terrible at it. But um, there is a, a Cranbourne golf day for Greyhound participants that, and money is to go towards racing to Reheim. So I think it's a, a terrific concept. Look, I'm sure, Catherine, there'll be many uh, industry, different areas, clubs and things that will get on board. I, it Can the dogs be caddies? Caddies, perhaps. I could start something new. I know my Kelpie, uh, when I play tennis and go serving, she's my ball girl. She goes and gets all the well, balls for me. She, she probably plays golf better than you do. Yeah, probably too. <laughs> she's very sporty. Oh, my goodness. This conversation is going all over the place this morning, isn't it? But anyway, Catherine, anyone that wants to have a look up Racing to Rehome, you've got a Facebook page there. Anyone that's looking to volunteer or become a foster carer even or learn a little bit more about it, they can jump on Racing to Rehome their Facebook page and thank you very much for joining us this morning and look we might get an update on Minerva in six months or something and see how she's going as well. That would be lovely, it would be our pleasure and thank you for giving us this opportunity to speak to your audience and uh, to tell our story. Good on you Catherine, Uh, yeah that's an amazing story. I've got two examples of maybe misunderstanding dogs. The kids cricket this year the under-16s, right? We were at a footy oval and there was a dog that was tied to the rail of the, the footy oval and it was massive. It was huge. And I went for a walk around the oval and the thing lunged at me on its uh, collar and was growling and it was huge. I thought, if this thing gets off its collar, this is going to kill someone. Anyway, but I think it was just me because another one of the dads, I said, go over there. There's a freak dog over there. Go over and see what happens when you get close to it. So he got, well, actually, he got about 50 metres away and the dog was like ripping, trying to rip it and growling and targeting him. And he came back and said, that dog's just nuts. And we don't know where the owner is. Anyway, next thing we look over and there's three kids sitting on it. Like yeah. it was, the, and they were sort of the the, the kids of a, one of the other parents. And I, and I and the dog just accepted them. And I was like, well, what the hell's, you know, maybe it was just my body language. Mm. And, that. and when I was a kid, we moved into Dr. McDonald's house, right? He was the pre... We always used to call it Dr. McDonald's house. Double story. You go up the stairs and there was this dark office sort of thing halfway up the stairwell at the halfway mark. And there was this black cat there. We were petrified our whole childhood about having to go past that doorway because the black cat would lunge at us and all this sort of stuff. But whether we turned it into a myth and we thought it would, but it became a legend of the black cat... But I think it did attack someone at one at some stage. You know, just sat there and waited for people to go past. Matt, this you show, to go past. This it sounds like you're the common denominator. No, my here. brothers, my brother and sisters also copped the wrath of the black cat. All these stories that you've got, aren't you lucky that you've got Dan and I that you can talk to us that about will tolerate and that, them and that you can air these stories? Otherwise, no one would ever hear about these fears of black cats and because I'd never told the dogs. black cat story before. You're right. This no, is like a therapy session. It is. <laughs> yeah. He's got tears in his eyes. We this might like start charging him. Maybe I, I can come to terms with the black cat now after all these years. Black cats are the best. I've had a few black cats, and they've got plenty uh, of personality. Have you got any still there in a different form like that? No, no, I haven't. No, no, I won't even go there. You know her other thing, the um, taxidermy. Yeah. Oh, yes. Yeah, no, I haven't. We've actually Are there got... more taxidermied creatures at your place than living ones, or what's the no, ratio? No, no, I right. think that, that bird three... you had last week's on the way to being taxidermied. <laughs> we like, we, we voted that we want it taxidermied. <laughs> the bird that um, dive bombs the dogs, and he's yeah, he's a bit of a cracker, the bird. And I, I did Google that they live till about... 25 or something. Yeah. I hope oh, I'm only, wrong. Only if they're allowed. <laughs> Not at your yeah. place. But, but, but he's got the cats bluffed. He's got the dogs bluffed. And he's got you bluffed too. I know yeah. Dan and I would be... Mm-hmm. Yeah. Anyway. No, I'm a live and let live. I would never do that. No, of course not. No. I even take redbacks outside. Yeah, we don't. We The white tails don't live a long life at our place, no, but all the other spiders all do. All of them go out for me. I've got a weird thing about Moths have a karma. short lifespan at my place. No, they get gently fluttered, <laughs> out, <laughs> fluttered out the window at my place. I've... No, I, I hear them from a, a street away. I do have a problem with them. But spiders are on my side because I don't like moths either. I, I'm not a fan of spiders at all. But over the years and living on property and with the amount of trees we have on our place, the amount of spiders in the house, huntsmen's, I now can get them on the end of a broom and flick them outside. I yeah. can't kill them. 
um, because I can't get that close to put my foot on. Well, they'd make a massive mess anyway. In country Victoria, mainly country Victoria, like the... The hand-sized huntsman hang stuck and stuck on the wall is kind of like a comfort. Well, there was one night I was going and a to good the pantry because if they're on the wall, they're not in the bed. It usually means rain coming. But there was one on the above the pantry one night, and I was going in to get some chocolate, and it was uh, so another big. Another one of her little things. Three a.m. chocolate. No, it wasn't three a.m., but it was so big I couldn't tackle it. So I didn't go for the chocolate. It's the best best diet tip ever. I have a huntsman on the wall, but I I couldn't open the door in case it I Dropped. just couldn't. Yeah, and I couldn't get the broom and get it out. It was just so enormous. Ma- mate of mine, Roger Mottram, or was it Duncan Leggett? Anyway, one of them was driving out of uh, Deakin University in Geelong back when it was say eighteen. Put the sun was in his eyes, pulled the visor oh, down, and a huntsman dropped into his lap, mm. and he slammed into the back of the car in front of him. <laughs> Uh, no, there must not. be a lot of stories. We've Does your insurance to... cover that? <laughs> spider <laughs> no. drop? Spider drop? Well, you, you, well it's it your fault. God? If you is run up the back of another accident? car, it's your fault, isn't it? Yeah. We've nicknamed a few. I remember I had one I called Carl Lewis, a huntsman called Carl Lewis, and I'll tell you why. Because it had six legs. It had six legs. That's right, a spider with six legs. Okay. So we took it outside. Did Carl Lewis have six legs? Come, no, but it was that far. It was the fastest spider I've ever seen, and it had six legs. So that's why I nicknamed it, because it was so fast. I called it Carl Lewis. So I reckon we took it outside four or five times, and it was easily identifiable, because this spider had six legs. So he was known as Carl Lewis. Yeah. yeah he we- was the fastest huntsman that... I've ever seen. We and he named, lived a happy life. We named beef cattle that mum and dad put in the paddock. One of them was called Gus. One was Blossom Dairy. And we didn't realise that they were commercial beef cattle. Mm. They disappeared one I day. I know someone oh. called their beef cattle one called Freezer. Well, no, you, know, no, you, you I can't. do that. I had one called Brutus. I had a cow called Brutus because he was massive years ago back in Warrnambool. All my cows. It's good that we're all back running. in the studio. I don't, it we, is. This is as far off the path as we've ever wandered. Well, it doesn't take much for us, does it, no. really? And we've wandered down a few weird paths this morning, guys. <laughs> Aeroplanes to six uh, spiders. We may as well use this opportunity to wind up the show and work our way backwards. <laughs> well, perhaps. Well, big night of racing at the Meadows tonight with yep. the maturity. And wow, she's fast. Who took out the Phoenix back in December. She was absolutely... Brilliant. What Last Saturday she night. Is. She is a star. From day one. So, from day yeah, one. From, and naming a dog while wow, she's fast, I mean, you had to be fairly confident and it's paying off. So she's jumping from the it's like red calling tonight. It's a sun jet and then turning it and he turns out he can't play sport, <laughs> which I do know one that was like that. <laughs> oh, well, lucky you weren't called Jet then. Oh, you weren't overly right, sporty, Right at the were 11th you? hour, we get a yeah. side swipe. All right, we better round off the show. Dan, I'll see you between 10 and 12. Yep. Uh, Blacks are fake tonight, beautiful. Yep. Albion Park. And we might leave with the 1982 maturity. Goodbye, boys. Bye, Simone. Bye. Racing hammer on, jumped out quickly on the outside. Sparrets all began brilliantly and took the early lead from Winley Spirit, getting up to be second. The favourite hammer on's in all sorts of trouble. It's out of business on the first turn. Hammer on, it's gone back towards the rear with regal occasion. Sparrets all took the lead down the back two to Winley Spirit. Two and a half Sabby's image running on from Star Hill. Welcome Jag. Then hammer on regal occasion. Belonger is last coming off the back. Sparrets all a length. Winley Spirit. Sabby's image looking for a split between them. Sparrets all in front of Winley Spirit. Sabby's image flying. Winley Spirit took the and Winley Spirit won the maturity. Winley Spirit by a length on the line to Sparrett's, although I think a nose in front of Sabby's image.